How's it going, coaches? You're locked in to keep your pads down. The podcast for D-line coaches. Or if you're not a D-line coach, the part of you that wishes you were. Anyway, wherever you are, thanks for tuning in today. Well, I am back from a wonderful spring break with my family down at Disney World in Orlando. We had a great time. Uh, spent a day at Animal Kingdom, a day at Magic Kingdom, and then got to relax around the pool some and enjoy really some outstanding weather. Now we're back, ready to close out the last six weeks of the school year and do some football skills with our guys. We we aren't allowed to do a formal spring ball at, at, at our level here in Texas, but we'll get plenty of skill work in this last six weeks or so, and, I, and I'm definitely looking forward to that. By the way, if you're in need of some new indie drills for your spring practices, then we have a ton of episodes that you can go back and listen to to get some great drills that you can incorporate in your coaching progression today. I, I won't go through all of those now, but I did highlight a few in the show notes of today's episode. I'll also post some on our show's Twitter feed this week. So be on the lookout for that if you're wanting to incorporate some new indie drills uh, into your coaching progression. Another thing you can do is go check out the awesome clinics being put on each week by one of our sponsors for season three of our podcast in our coaching network. Our coaching network is a new football coaching platform connecting coaches from all levels and helping them get better every week. Our coaching network has live clinics going off usually at least three nights a week, and they will have 150 plus hours of high quality live coaching clinics this year with each week's clinics added to a library that can be referred back to at any time in the future. This week will feature clinics on Monday and Tuesday night. And if you're wanting to hear about pass rush mechanics and building relationships with your players, then you should check out Monday night's clinic with Akron University outside linebackers coach Deontay Gibson. We'll be covering both of those topics live Monday night at 7 p.m. Central. There will also be a clinic on deep snapping on Tuesday night if you're interested in that. Or if you're looking for something else, I can just about guarantee you that you can find whatever topic you want to learn more about in the site's clinic library, which is free to members. So get on over to Our Coaching Network, create your account for just 50 cents a day, and begin learning and connecting with coaches from all over the country. Okay, so here's a question I have for you. What are you doing to promote your athletes, your school's sports teams? I mean, heck, even yourself on social media sites like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, If your answer is nothing, then I'm just going to be real with you. You're way behind. But okay, maybe you have no idea about how to go about even doing something like that. Well, you're in luck. Our next sponsor, GoEdit Graphics, has got you covered. And what GoEdit Graphics does is allow any coach to create custom graphics in minutes by changing the colors, text, and images to make it their own. So I don't know if you guys remember uh, the coach that won't retire from Coach Regalado's TikTok video last, last spring during the quarantine. Yeah, even if you're that guy, you can still create awesome-looking graphics with GoEdit. They offer categories like game day scoring, player profiles, and communication, to name a few. Need a graphic to introduce the new coach you just hired? They got templates for that. Want to promote your schedule for next fall? They have a template for that. The platform is easy, it's affordable, and no design skills are needed. So if you're looking for a way to promote the awesome things going on in your athletic program, then the team at GoEdit Graphics has got you covered. Subscriptions are for 12 months and include unlimited graphics. Here's something else that's cool. Mention keep your pads down and receive $25 off your showcase yearly package. Go check them out on Twitter at GoEditGraphics or visit their website through the link in today's show notes to see examples of the awesome graphics coaches have already created. You can also check out our Twitter feed for examples as many of our show's graphics were created using GoEdit as well. Showcase your athletes with custom graphics in less than two minutes with GoEdit Graphics.
All right. Well, this is episode 102 for our show here. And, and this episode is a special one for me because for the first time on this podcast, I actually get to interview a former player of mine. Today, I'm excited to welcome on Midwestern State defensive line graduate assistant, Quinn Jones. Now, I coached Quinn when he was a freshman at Lafayette County High School there in Oxford, Mississippi. And let me go ahead and make sure, let me clear something up about this first of all, because you're going to hear us talk about that school a lot throughout our conversation. And it's, it's spelled like Lafayette or Lafayette, however you say it in your part of the country. But in North Mississippi, it's Lafayette. And if you're from, if you're from that area, it's, it's really Lafayette. Okay. So just, that's, I'm just letting you know, you guys who are from the Mississippi area, you're nodding your head. Um, and, and that's, you probably don't understand what the big deal about that is, but, but, you know, for other parts of the country, especially in South Louisiana, you're probably, it's, it's burning your ears the way that I'm pronouncing that, but that's how you say it in North Mississippi. And that's the school where I started my coaching career and where Quinn uh, and, and mine, mine and uh, Quinn's paths crossed. Uh, anyway, you know, from the, from the first time that I met Quinn when, he's, when he was just a, a middle school kid, I could tell even then that he had it. You know, he was, he was mature beyond his years. He was a leader uh, already at that age. He was hardworking, humble, and, and what absolutely lights you up on the football field. Um, anyway, I've kept in touch with, with him over the years and am thrilled to be joined by him today. As I mentioned already, Quinn played at Lafayette County High School, where he was a Mississippi Association of Coaches, 4A first-team All-State selection as a senior, and invited to play in the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star Game, which is a huge game, by the way, for both of those states. And a ton of great players have been in on that game. Uh, I remember watching that game one year when I was there, uh, when, when Jameis Winston was, was playing quarterback for the Alabama team, and T.J. Yeldon, of course, went on to star at the University of Alabama was a starting running back. So that's a big-time all-star game with a ton of bragging rights on the line. Uh, anyway, from Lafayette, uh, Quinn signed with East Mississippi Community College and head coach Buddy Stevens, where he helped lead the Lions to a two-year record of 22-2, and two, including the 2017 NGCAA National Championship and back-to-back MACJC state titles. From East Mississippi, Quinn landed at Stephen F. Austin State, where he started for two years for the Lumberjacks and was the recipient of the 2019 Cali Belcher Award, something we'll talk about in our conversation today. After his time as a player was up, Quinn spent one season, that was this past season, fall of 2020, as a student assistant at SFA before landing his current gig as the D-line graduate assistant at Midwestern State there in Wichita Falls, Texas. Today, Quinn and I discuss his football journey, what it was like as a member of those East Mississippi teams, including the one featured on season two of Last Chance U. We talk about some things Quinn has learned as a young coach, his advice to coaches on reaching today's athletes, also his advice to high school kids currently in the middle of the recruiting process, his thoughts on JUCO ball, and a whole lot more. A lot of great stuff in this episode today, so we'll get to it. Here's my man, Coach Quinn Jones, on episode number 102 of Keep Your Pads Down. All right, Quinn. Well, let me first just say how excited I am to be talking with you today. And it's so awesome to, uh, to be able to catch up with a former player and, and, and great to see that you're doing good. So uh, welcome to the podcast. 
uh, appreciate the coach. You know what I'm saying? It's an honor just to be talking with you and all the memories we share and all the good things that we share. So I'm glad to be on the podcast. And I'm ready to get to it. Well, let's yeah, let's let's get to it. So I, I'm familiar with a lot of your personal background, uh, football journey. You know, I only coached you and got to be around you really for uh, a little bit in middle school and then that one year, uh, your freshman year of high school. But there's there's even a lot that that I don't know. So let's let's just start with you talking to us about you know where you grew up and and what got you playing football and, and some of your influences, early influences, stuff like that. Uh, well, Mississippi raised kid, uh, born and raised in Abbeville, Mississippi, a small town outside of Oxford. Uh, went to go play high school ball out there, in Lafayette County, uh, one of the best programs in my opinion in the state of Mississippi. Uh, a big influence on. My football background has to be like my father, my brother, my older brother, and just family members and friends that kind of all played the game that we love to do. And I was actually a basketball player. Like my mindset was straight basketball. My dad had me out there in summertime, like shooting a thousand jumpers a day, trying to keep instilling that into me. But that part of the uh, mindset came from my work ethic. Like that's one thing that he kind of instilled in my work ethic and not letting anybody out working. So I transitioned that over basketball to football and just kind of it led it, it took off from there so yeah and and one thing I think is interesting because you know when when uh when I was looking reading up on you and looking at at your uh, at your at your stats and stuff from SFA at East Mississippi I know you guys who are from Abbeville you know you don't put from Oxford you put from Abbeville and if you've ever been in Abbeville Mississippi there ain't much there Exactly. Uh, there's some pride that comes from being in Abbeville, and there are a lot of players that come out of there, too. Exactly. That's one thing that kind of me and a couple more of the uh, Abbeville products, like no matter where we go, like we always going to put that in our in our bio, just our information like that, because it's not Oxford. It's like it's a whole different world in Abbeville to Oxford. Oxford, you got like the buildings, you got the University of Ole Miss, but like in Abbeville, I grew up in the trailer, like just kind of low income, kind of just – Get it how you can each and every single day, and just kind of having that mindset of like not not trying to be underlooked type thing, the underdog. That's like the whole mindset of like an Abbeville product. We wear that like a badge of honor type thing. Just having Abbeville like in our body, and really representing and putting on the map, and trying to find a way to just do that. So, yeah, absolutely. So you talked about playing at Lafayette, which is where I got my coaching start. And we talked, we were saying before uh, before we started recording here that. You're at the age now that I was when I was at Lafayette, which is kind of crazy. So mm-hmm. looking back on, on, on your playing days there, what was that like? And then talk about, you know, as you, you guys were part of a really special senior class. Um, I knew when I left that you guys were going to be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so you, you were very successful there at Lafayette. Talk about what that was like and then what your recruitment uh, was like coming out of, of Lafayette your senior year. Oh, yeah. Lafayette was just like a family. Like I said, it, in my opinion, it's one of the – but like powerhouses in the whole state of Mississippi and pretty much just just coming through there, it was kind of expectations for you to win, expectations for you to dominate and kind of go to state championships and play in front of uh, big time people and big time games and make something out of yourself coming out of the fed. It was a brotherhood. I can say like it's a lot of guys that I still talk to to this day, including Tyrell, like Big Matt, Big Sausage, all those guys like that, Steven, like all those guys that kind of played, came through the fed and kind of did their thing and Throughout the years, like, it doesn't even matter, like, the class of 2016, we was cool. The class of 2018, 2017, 2015, 2014, like, it was just a band of brothers that kind of all knew each other's struggles and everything 
was like real tight knit coming from those guys been in College Hill, Springfield, Abbeville, all those things. We played with each other growing up. It was a lot of like close, close camaraderie around each other and just being around each other was pretty natural just coming through Lafayette. But like you said, just my playing career at Lafayette was a blessing. I was blessed to be around coaches like you, like coaches like Coach Finley, Coach Robinson, all those guys like that and kind of having that impact on me and just kind of having me be a leader for the whole program of Lafayette ever since I was pretty much in middle school, sometimes in ninth grade, just I had to, I had to lead while I was young type thing. And um, my recruitment coming out of Lafayette was uh, Louisiana Monroe, Central Arkansas. I had all the JUCOs in Mississippi. Uh, I had Southeast Missouri. So I had like a lot of FCS programs and I had one uh, group of five program and stuff like that. But like I said, I chose to go to East Mississippi, chose, chose to go that JUCO route and kind of wanted to just experience and see how far I could go with this football thing. I was a talented guy coming out of Lafayette, so I wanted to be, of course, at the Ole Miss, at the Mississippi State and things like that, and I felt like East Mississippi was going to help me do that. So. Yeah, and, and I've talked about this on this podcast before about how, how big of a deal JUCO ball is in the state of Mississippi. You know, it, Thursday nights and, and a lot of those little towns across the state like they shut down like you would for Friday night football too. How did you settle on East Mississippi at the time? And give us a little bit of uh, insight as to what that was like. We've all seen the show and and seen what Coach Stevens is like and what the the community of Scuba is like. Give us a little mm-hmm. bit of you know behind the curtain what that's like playing at East Mississippi. Well, of course, just like you said, it is a um, kind of like a community type thing. Like just if we was a Fed kid or Oxford kid, we'll go to Northwest and things like that. But just having the mindset that I had, like I wanted to be different. I wanted to kind of step out on that on that ledge and kind of separate myself from the rest of the pack. Just being those guys that kind of go to those regional JUCOs type thing. I I seen something special in East Mississippi. I seen championships. I seen the guys that they produced. I seen all the talent that was coming through them. The main thing that I really seen coming down there was competition. Like it was guys all throughout the state of Mississippi, West Point. Uh, Columbus, Knoxby, all those guys that we played against in, in all-star games and things like that. And they was all going to East Mississippi. Or they were going to such and such Juco. Like, I wanted to kind of challenge myself and be different from the stereotype of LaFayette player go to such and such type thing and just kind of step out and ledge there and type thing. But uh, just going through the East Mississippi ranks, uh, it, it is what it is. It is what you see. Uh, There's no faking. Coach Stevens is really like that. Coach Stevens is a hard, a hard guy to kind of be around, but at the end of the day, you know it's out of love. Like you know, it's just genuine. He wants you. He wants to see you compete. He wants to test your, test your, Neil uh, Waters and see if you can really play for him. Type thing. It's not easy playing in JUCO. It's not easy playing at East Mississippi. It's so many expectations. Like I said, playing Lafayette. Like you think the expectations at Lafayette are high when Coach Stevens came to East Mississippi. Like he turned that whole program around. This national championship West type thing. So. Just coming in there and knowing you got to work every single day for your job, every single day for every rep that you get. It's competition nonstop. That's what I love to do. I love to compete. So I felt like East Mississippi was going to be the best program to help me do that. Yeah, and that's a great uh, uh, quality to have because a lot of kids, and you see, I know you see this now, now that you're on the other side of things and, mm-hmm. and recruiting high school kids, is sometimes you do get kids who are afraid to compete. And they, you know, that's why the transfer portal is, is, so full right yeah. now, you got kids who don't really want to compete. They want to go somewhere where they can be the guy. And, exactly. and going to a place like East Mississippi, you know it's going to be full of, 
you know, D1 kickbacks and, and, and really the best kids in the state of Mississippi, um, which is, is extremely talented. And we'll talk about that here in a second. But was that a little bit of um, – and to kind of backtrack, especially here in Texas where JUCO ball is not quite as big of a deal. Yeah. Sometimes JUCO is viewed as sort of a, a, a step down or mm-hmm. it could be something that's beneath kids. But I don't think that they understand, especially when you go to a place like East Mississippi or like a, a Tyler Junior College over here, like yeah. there are some grown men at those places. And that's not a step down. Uh, you know, talk about what it was, you know, to, to what it was like to try to compete and, and earn a spot there at East Mississippi. Uh, just knowing, like, coming out of Lafayette where I was the guy type thing, and a 17, 18-year-old kid where I was still kind of naive about myself. I just had that whole persona, like, I'm the dude. Like, everything that's kind of going to be ran through me type thing. Not being in a cocky way, but I had confidence in myself. And just – Day one, as soon as I touched down, I'm seeing the guys that y'all seeing on Last Chance You. I'm working out with DeAndre Johnson. I'm working out with Dakota Allen. I'm working out with Isaiah Wright. All those power five guys and bounce backs from Florida State, from uh, Oregon, from uh, from Texas A&M, all those places like that is like, you 18 coming out of high school. Like, you're going to have to show yourself you belong. You're going to have to show these guys every single day where they coming from. Power five places, five stars, four stars, all those things like that. Just because they had JUCO, like that don't be that don't mean nothing. Those guys are still some of the best athletes around the country, type thing. So every single day was just like a competition. Every single day was just a test to yourself. Like, do you really want to play football? Do you? And I feel like me personally, if I would have went to like a four year coming straight out of high school, I think I probably wouldn't have made. It. I probably would have been back in junior college type thing because. My mindset was, oh, I need to play type thing. Like, I need to hurry up and get on this field. And being at East Mississippi, that humbled me. That humbled me in a, in a major way. Like, maybe you're not ready for, like, the playing time and just being out there in those waters just yet. So I just kept grooming myself. I kind of treated them. I never registered, but I really treated my freshman year like a registered year type thing. Kind of just to kind of get my body right, kind of get my mindset right, and get myself going so I can be ready by my sophomore year kind of make an impact at East Mississippi. And that's why I feel like I did. And that's what we went on and won the national championship. I seen winning. I, I was used to winning coming from the Fed. So just transitioning over East Mississippi and bringing my way, my ways and my winning ways and my winning morals to East Mississippi was just hand-in-hand to me type thing. So winning wasn't going to be a problem. It was just my competition level, my mindset, just growing as a person, growing as a man. And that's why I'm forever thankful for East Mississippi and junior college because that has helped me grow into a man and the person I am today. Yeah, I remember when when I, I heard that you and, and Tyrell uh, were going to East and and then they, they were doing the show, they were doing season two. And so I, I got on there to see if you guys were going to be featured on there. And then I realized... If I, if I, if I might mean to cut you off, like, Coach, like, that's, that's the thing. We didn't even know anything about a last chance. Like, right. we didn't know anything about it because that was actually... Uh, the my whenever we signed to East Mississippi, that was like the first year they brought Last Chance U to Netflix type thing. So we was like wet behind it. We went to East Mississippi just because the like the pride, the tradition, everything that East Mississippi brought outside of the TV show. So I just want to clear the air about that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's no, that's uh, yeah, that's I appreciate you doing that because you know that kind of helps everybody understand sort of the timeline and how you fit mm-hmm. into that. And so I remember when you guys were there, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to be able to watch Quinn and Tyrell on Netflix. But yep. then I realized, you know, 
Quinn and Tyrell, they're they're not your typical JUCO kid, and and they usually are going to feature the the kind of the knuckleheads of the group. No offense to those guys who are featured on the show. So I, I think that it's probably a a testament to how you guys were working and the circumstances with which you came in there, which is why you weren't you weren't featured yeah. so much. And that's going to leave me my next question. You know, you're you were kind of you and Tyrell were unique in the fact that you were fully qualified. Um, you know, grades weren't an issue. It was just mm-hmm. a fact where you wanted to go somewhere, like you said, and, and, and play for a championship, compete against the best. And then, and then, you know, see where that puts you in, you know, in a couple of years. Yeah. Um, and, and we talked about this the other day, you know, anytime someone asks me about high school football in the state of Mississippi, I always say it's a lot like coaching football in East Texas, like same types mm-hmm. of kids, country yep. kids, a lot of speed. The, the, the difference is, is the, the, you know, the grade, um, uh, qualifications are different. And so you see a lot of kids who do go play Juco ball, but then you see also see a lot of them who never make it out. Mm-hmm. And so talk about that, like your opinion on that, on, on, on the state of Juco ball in Mississippi and, you know, it, it, just what you, how, how you witness that, like, you know, you, where you see a lot of kids who do get in there and they, they don't, they don't take care of their grades or they just kind of slip through the cracks. Did you see some of that there at East? Oh yeah, hands down. Just like 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 you said, the Mississippi JUCO ranks is pretty much, to in my opinion, is like the SEC type thing. It's just top notch talent throughout the whole bottom from top to bottom. There's, every every week you go out to face SEC talent, ACC talent type thing. So that's hands down like one of the best experiences of my life. Just playing with those guys and like you said, it is it is a sad part of the JUCO ranks. You see a lot of those guys that. You call your brothers in that you work out with every single day, and then they come to you like, "Oh man, like I got dismissed because of my grades. I got dismissed because such and such." Like whatever problem they had going on, it it, it does hurt. Like like you said, it is Mississippi in general. We kind of behind on the education system and things like that, and you see a lot of that going through high school too. A lot of those guys kind of play a year of JUCO, get done with their high school career, and like. They done, they back at home and kind of doing those things, but that's just kind of adapting to that environment. Like you said, like me and the guys that made it out, we were different. Like our mindsets were different. We wanted to kind of keep expanding type thing. Like no matter how hard, and it was hard, like just seeing your friends, your brothers, like kind of get sidetracked. It's hard not to go down that road too. Like you being so young and you being so wet behind the ears, like, you just want to kind of follow the crowd sometimes, but that's where leadership, that's where having the right people on your, on your side and having the right people that care about you, like reaching out to you. Cause we was two, three hours away from the crib. And at that time, that's the, that's the farthest we've ever been from Abbeville, like away from our moms, away from people that actually watch us every single day. And like, it's easy for us to go down there and kind of get lost in the system. But our mindset was different. Like you said, like we wanted to kind of just, separate ourselves from the pack and that's what that's what a lot of people kind of fall fall victim of in the juco ranks they don't want to kind of keep working they don't want to keep building themselves and branching out and try to get their schoolwork done schoolwork was like the main thing like if you were juco something was wrong with your school and they never just figured that out so it was a tough situation just seeing those things and kind of being on the team with people that was like nfl talent and like those guys it just got cut because they weren't disciplined enough type thing. And so it was a sad and a rough part, but that's part of the JUCO struggle. Like 
not too many people make it out. And if you do, like you could really deal, make an impact in this world. Yeah, that's that is uh, one of the uh, scary things. And that's that's true for anywhere. I mean, you can go to a four year school and, and you know, fail out after a year. Mm-hmm. You know? So um, anyway, so you wind up uh, from East Mississippi, you wind up at, at Stephen F. Austin there in Nacogdoches. Talk about that and how that how that uh, came about. Oh, Coach, I ain't gonna lie. Like SFA was probably my my favorite two years of just college of just playing ball in general. Like, of course, we at first it wasn't a winning program and you wasn't winning every week. But man, like just being away from Mississippi and just experiencing Texas, meeting new people, like and just having that chance to bring your people with me. Like I'm telling my family all the way from Mississippi, like just make this drive out here to Texas, just see a game type thing. Like see if you like the state of Texas. Just That was a big thing for me. My mind, I had Southeast Missouri and I had SFA coming out of Juco. And of course my mindset, like you said, was different. Like, like I just wanted to think about 10 years down the line, 15 years down the line. What was I wanting to be later on in my life and coaching football? Like, Coaching football in Missouri or coaching football in Texas, like so that was hands down. SFA is the thing to be like. Of course, I want to go to the NFL and things like that, but NFL wasn't for everybody. So my mindset was just going like, how how can I make a way for my family in the future? How can I make a way for myself in the future and just make something out of myself? So SFA was the place to be. Uh, Coach Jeff Bird, I'm forever thankful for him bringing me out here and experience Texas and experiencing. SFA and like showing me a different side of life type thing. That, that was a very refreshing moment of my life and kind of restart and reboot of my life. So SFA is a very special place to me. It's always going to be a very, very special place to me. That's why I played two years of my ball and two years of growing type thing. So that was, that was the hands down best decision I felt like I could make regarding why I wanted to be at that point in my life. Going in your senior year, you're the recipient of the Cali Belcher Award. For those who don't know, who are unfamiliar with it, explain to them what that is. Uh, Cali Belcher was a player that passed away that uh, back in like the 80s, 90s, around that time uh, uh, of the SFA football. One of the best players to come through SFA, and not just because like athleticism. It's about leadership. It's about carrying yourself the right way, the lumberjack way, and kind of just putting SFA putting the best light on SFA that you possibly can. So that's what they felt like I was a recipient of that. And I'm so glad. And I met Cali Belcher's family, like, during the game, during the award ceremony. And those are, like, some of the greatest people that I've met. And it was a blessing just to have that a part of my resume type thing and just forever being, like, put in the SFA record books of being, like, the Cali Belcher Award winner. I'm the second one to ever do that. We just started that in 2017, 2018. So the year that I wasn't there, they just started that. And I was the second person to ever win that award. And that's like one of the biggest honors, not just all the accolades that I done had throughout my football career and all the achievements I made, but just coming all the way from Mississippi and like making it through JUCO. And like, it just seemed like everything that I was doing was paying off once I won that award and everything like that. So I'm forever thankful and blessed to win that. So then you talked about how, you know, wanting to be a coach played a role in your decision to come to SFA. Mm-hmm. Who influenced you or, or or how did you come up or come to that conclusion that you wanted to coach football? Uh, coaching football was a decision that was made probably really my junior year at SFA. Kind of like just being out there and experiencing new things and kind of seeing football in a whole different aspect and me and maturing and things like that. Football is the only thing I want to know. 
football is like my love, my passion. So just being around the game and changing lives, like that was the biggest thing. And, and like shout out to Coach Power and Coach Carter, those guys that kind of came around my senior year uh, coaching ball. Like those guys played a huge role of me really want to do because I was going to do some things like back at home that those guys really were there for me. Those guys really had my back throughout the situation. They was telling me, like, go home if you need to, like, take care of what's going on back at home. And I just kind of wanted to stick it out for them. I wanted to stick it out because they really made an impact on my life and just really touched me and changed their lives. So that's how I'm – that's, like, my mindset behind coaching football. I want to change lives. I want to – of course, winning and all those things are big things, but the game of football, the way you could teach it, the way you could kind of put it in a young man's life, and really, like for me, coming from Abbeville, like coming from a low-income place, coming from a trailer and like struggling day-to-day, but trying to just make a way, like just throwing football in their life can really change them. Like look at me now, like I'm all the way out here in Texas from a small town, like living out my dream. So coaching football is the the ultimate goal, in my opinion. So you were you started out as a student assistant actually this past fall, all of 2020 at SFA yeah. as you, while you finished up your undergrad. Uh, and they, SFA actually did play a fall season. They are one of the, the few teams uh, in the Southland to play a fall season. Uh, mm-hmm. I've had coach McFarlane on. We've talked about that season. Had coach Foskey on a, a year ago. So very familiar with, with, with yeah. y'all's program. Uh, but we talked about, I've, I've talked with, with coach McFarlane about that season and what that was like. So you go from from playing that season, which was very unique, you know, in the middle of a pandemic and all of that, and now you you go over to to uh, Midwestern State there in Wichita Falls, and now you're a GA and you play another season this spring. So that's two football seasons yeah. that you're a part of in the span of what like six nine months, something yeah. like that. Talk mm-hmm. about what that what that's been like for you. Oh, uh, it's kind of it's been an easy transition because, like I said, football is all I want to do. Like, so the more games I can play, just the more experience I can have, like the better type thing. And it was a very fun experience and being in the room with Coach McFarland, being in the room with Coach Foskey, all those guys are just picking their brain. Those guys played a whole a huge impact on coaching and career, like and just expanding my knowledge of the game and expand, expanding the wisdom that I have for this game. And those guys played a big part in just playing out here in Midwestern State. It's a lot of tradition, man. So, like, it's a lot of expectations. Like, that's one thing that I'm kind of really witnessing. Like, I'm going from program to program to program with a whole lot of tradition, a whole lot of winning type thing. So, I'm really learning how to carry myself the right way. And now here in Midwest State, I got Coach Wilkins, Coach Renner, Coach Maskell, like legends out here, the these who live in, in Texas ball type thing. Those guys are helping me expand my knowledge even more. But the more football, the better. I'm loving it. Like, it's an easy transition, and I done played from in Memphis and UTSA, all those big-time arenas, and now I'm playing at the D2 level. So I'm seeing it from all the experiences type thing. I'm seeing it from all levels. So just – I'm loving it. I'm, I, can't, I, can't even explain, I can't even explain it because I'm loving it. I'm enjoying it. What's the, uh, what's the best part about being a GA so far? Ooh. Being a GA, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. But the best part of it is really just learning football and really kind of I don't, I don't really have any kind of pressure on me right now. I could really just, just throw my, throw my little thoughts in there and trying to just piece together what my mindset gonna be when I want to become become a coach. I could really just see how everybody doing it now. Right now, I'm just building it up to how I want to do it. Once I'm a D coordinator, once I'm a position coach type thing, or a head coach, like so. That's just the best part. Just always learning on every single day. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Like 
anything like that. I know I might get on their nerves, but at the end of the day, they tell me to keep keep firing off the questions and keep expanding them and helping my knowledge and of course they knowledge too, because it's a lot of things that we don't all think the same. So whatever my knowledge is may be helpful for them type thing. So being a GA is really big and like the best part is just always learning. All right, you tell you said it was a struggle. What's the worst part about being a GA? Have you had to do have you had to babysit any kids or do laundry for coaches, anything like that yet? Study hall, laundry, uh, just all with all the grunt work. Like, and right now I'm looking at it as like a pain in the butt right now, but I'm gonna be so thankful for it later on in my career when I don't have to do those things. So I'm taking it all. I'm taking it all in, soaking it all in. But those are some of the worst parts. But at the end of the day, like somebody gotta do it and why not me? I'm I'm not doing anything anyway when I'm out there on my free time. So I might as well do something to help the program. And that's why that's like my mindset behind it. Even though it's laundry, even though it's study hall, things like that, those are all things that's helping the program just become better. It's always something you can do. So I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that, just like I'm thankful for learning the game of ball. I want to get your opinion on this because uh, – or your thoughts on this because I think one of the things that you, you, you don't realize you don't know how to do when you come, become a coach, especially after being a player, you know, when you play football, you're used to watching film. But mm -hmm. we, now when you're a coach, the way you watch film is completely different. Yeah. Um, and I remember I had to learn to watch film with, you already mentioned these guys, Coach Robertson and Coach Finley, and they're, I'm watching film, and they're, 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 hot, they're calling stuff out and saying this is what this is and calling out formations. And mm -hmm. I kept having to say, I'm like, wait, why is that? Why, why are you calling it that? What it, why, why did you say that was this or whatever? And, and I'm sure I bogged us down and slowed us down a lot. So talk about how you've learned – watching film and what that's been like because you know GA is responsible for a lot of film breakdown yep. what's that process been like for you oh uh, the process has been like one of the that's probably like one of the most important processes and like the biggest Im impact of the game of football that I'm really learning like of course I know how to like I know I know positions I know all those things but like right now I'm learning protections I'm learning coverages I'm learning all these different things formations and why they want to call a formation just like you said and that's like the biggest thing to me because I didn't know a protection. I didn't know a man's own protection. I didn't know a full slide protection, all those things like that. And just these last couple months, and I haven't even been coaching for like a full year, really. And like, I'm just learning so much in these next spans of months. And that's why I'm just thankful for it, man. Like, I never, like me coming from where I came from, like, I never really just dove into actually evaluating film. And I always thought that you just go on the field and, we just we just execute the call that y'all put in. We didn't know anything about how uh, a play call get brought up, how a call sheet get put together. And like I done seen call sheets, I done seen all kind of things from defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators. And it's a lot of hours, man. It's a lot of hours that those guys put in. It's a lot of sacrifice being away from the family and just putting it into a full product that it all comes together on game day type thing. So I'm forever respecting everybody whoever coaching i respect y'all grinding i respect the, everything that y'all do because at the end of the day it's a lot you put in it's a lot of things that people don't see behind the scenes that they want to kind of critique and they always want to judge type thing but those people i don't think those people could do what we do as coaches like everything that we do is so strategic that's what it is this is like a strategy it's a cat and mouse game with the opposing teams type thing and being in the press box, like with the defensive coordinator here, like I'm, I'm on the headset and I'm hearing all these different calls. I'm hearing all these different things. And right, right in the heat of the moment, like 
you're not thinking about, oh, what does that mean? Like, you just kind of got to soak it in. You just got to be thinking on the fly type thing. It, like, that's why I'm so thankful, like, for the position I'm in right now. Yeah, and here's what's going to happen. Now that you're starting to learn things like protections and what is a full slide, and now you're going to say, dang, I wish I had one more year of eligibility because if I that's could go back coming, with the yeah. knowledge I have now, I'd ball out. Coach, I'm – I'm all conference, all world. If I had the if I had the knowledge I had now, because like I said, like doing your plan time, like you not even thinking about it. You just kind of going out there executing, just going off your athletic ability and things like that. God given talent that you have. But if I just knew half the things that I know right now, and just how strategic this game is, and all the protections and the coverages, and what I could expect from my offense in this next play, like certain personnel is like give off tips and keys to what this team might do and all their favorite things and things like that. So if I had the knowledge that I had now, like sky's the limit, Coach. So I, 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 well, let's just say this. I wouldn't be having you on this podcast right now. I'd have to be go. I'd have to go through about two or three agents <laughs> to, to, to even get to you. Would, uh, coach, you was always going to have a special spot. <laughs> I got you, Coach. You good. You but good. No, you, no, you're right, though, because we had a kid, uh, one of our, our defensive ends, uh, Torres Achilles in the summer. Mm-hmm. And, and this past summer. So he didn't get to play this year. And so he really uh, became kind of like an extra coach. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, in practice, I'm signaling the defense, you know, during our team period. Well, he's reading it off the script, what the call is. And so then that would kind of lead to some conversations that we would have. And so it really, for him, although it was terrible that he didn't get to play, I really do think that it helped him as mm-hmm. now he's playing, playing in college, kind of see things from a coach's perspective. You know, he saw what all went into making that, that practice script, you yeah. know, which you don't think of as a player, like, all right, you know, but, but the hours that it takes um, mm-hmm. and why coaches get so angry when there's bust, because exactly. that was, you know, that's, that's six hours of a day, almost putting yep. that together and putting that practice together and, and a kid to go screw it up. But anyway, I think that would, that really benefited him uh, to be able to see things from that perspective. And so uh, I, I can imagine that if, if you could go back and tell yourself, give yourself some advice when you were playing there at SFA it would be to, Hey, approach this as if you were a coach, because that's yep. going to help you make more plays. Exactly. Exactly. Hands down and just kind of come watch more film too. Like that's one thing that I kind of lacked as a player. I wish I would have took more time to actually just evaluate film. And I always watch film and things like that, but I didn't never really just break it down how I was supposed to type thing. So that's one thing I really would have told myself as a player, like, actually put the time in and know what this offense is doing. Actually put the time in. Like, once they get an 11, okay, know they about to run this play. Once they get a 12, know they about to run this play. And just kind of take it into more of a mental aspect and not just physical. You know, when um, I think one of the biggest challenges when you're a young coach is trying to carve out, like, what type of coach you're going to be. You know, mm-hmm. are you a player's coach? Are you a, a yeller? Are you a, yep. you know – what kind of coach are you going to be? Like, are you going to be a juice guy? Are you going to be kind of a quieter, more methodical mm-hmm. type of, you know, whatever. Um, as, as you're now kind of carving out your identity as a coach, who are some coaches that you seek to maybe model yourself after? You know, you know, we all, we all have to be ourselves. You can't go mm-hmm. try to be, you know, one of your coaches, which is a trap that I fell into early on. Yeah. Um, but who are some coaches you try to model yourself after? Um, that's one thing that I could say Coach McFarland kind of helped me out, helped me out a lot. He was just telling me, like, if you was a rah-rah guy when you was playing, like, be that when you coach. If you was a quiet guy, more strategic guy when you was playing, 
be that while you're coaching. So just be yourself at the end of the day. And like, as much as I want to say I want to be this, I want to be Nick Saban, I want to be Dabble, I want to be whoever it is type thing. But at the end of the day, I can only be me. And that's me. Like, I'm an energetic guy. I'm a passionate guy. I'm a leader guy. I'm going to hold others accountable. I might, I'm going to make people uncomfortable whenever they don't want to be uncomfortable. But that's why I feel like I can help guys build. Like, just breaking down those walls and kind of breaking down those barriers and just seeing what guys really want to do with this game of football type thing. So, Coach McFarland is one of those guys that kind of really helped me mold myself into whatever kind of coach I want to be. And that's the coach. And the coach I want to be is just myself. I want to be the same guy I was when I was playing and taking that same approach. Of course, just being more mature and things like that. But I'm going to be an energetic guy. Like, I'm going to be a juiced up guy. I'm going to be one of those guys that bring the energy every single day, practice. Uh, if you see me in the office, you running around my office, I'm going to crack a joke with you. I'm going I'm to clown you a little bit. But at the end of the day, it's all out of love because that's why I am, too. I'm a caring person. I want to see, see everybody be great. I don't want to ever hold nobody back from doing that. So just being myself and kind of just being me, that's one thing that Coach McFarland instilled into me. Just be yourself at the end of the day. So, Well, Quinn, here's where you can really um, teach a lot of guys who've been coaching for a while. You can teach us a thing or two, and that is about relating to today's players because you are closer to being a player than, you know, I guess further along in your coaching career. What advice would you give someone like me uh, when it comes to building relationships with, with, with kids today and coaching kids today? All I say is just actually hearing them out and kind of actually being there for them type thing. And you, you don't have to be one of those guys that know every song. Or you don't have to know every trending thing that's going on right now because at the end of the day, you are past that level type thing. But at the end of the day, it's kind of send, send those guys down and see what they like and see what they want to be a part of. So that's that's just like my biggest my biggest advice. Actually show the guys that you care because at the end of the day, that's how I wanted it. And like, that's how every person wants to be. They want to be around people that actually care. They don't want to be around those guys that they feel like belittling them or, oh, you're a player, like stand up player's place type thing. Like, and it's cool to be like that. You got to have those ground levels and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's really just caring about those guys and genuinely actually want to see them do great and seeing, these, seeing things that they actually like around as well. Like, what, what's your favorite rapper? What's your favorite artist? What's your favorite song got right now type thing? Like, those guys light up when you ask questions like that. And, like, just actually interacting with those guys and seeing what they really want to do in life beyond football, too. Like, they not just there to play football. They not just there to do everything you say type thing. Like I know us as coaches, we want to kind of put that put that benchmark of okay, it's player, it's coach, then it's player type thing. But actually show those guys that you really want to be there for them, that you really want to help them grow. Yeah, that, that's that's great advice. Now speaking of advice, uh looking back on your recruiting process, we talked about that. What advice would you give to a kid who's getting getting ready to maybe start his senior year or maybe he's maybe start his junior year. Anyway, he's in the middle of the recruiting process and dealing with all of that. That can sometimes be overwhelming. There's a lot of misinformation out there, uh, a lot of pressure uh, on on those kids and 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 on their families. What advice would you give to a kid currently in the in that recruiting process? Soak it all in, man. Like, don't ever feel like it's so much pressure. Like. Don't listen to the outside voices either. Always go with your heart. Pray about every decision that you're about to make and actually soak your whole experience in. Go on your visits. And don't feel like 
oh, I have to be at Oregon. I have to be at A&M. I have to be at whatever school it is to go to the NFL. Like, those guys, the NFL, they going to scout you. They going to find you. Great example. It's a D3 guy that went to the recent senior bowl as the offensive lineman. Uh, and now he's dominating all these power five guys and things like that. Like, don't ever feel like, prideful or shameful that you have to go D2 or that you have to go FCS, like you could still make it out. So don't feel like you have to go a certain route to go to the destination that you want to make it. And like actually think beyond football. Don't just look at it as like what I need to do to get on this field, what I need to do to make plays. Like see what they what they what programs they offer as education wise. Can you make a living there for four years? Like will it be a fun city to be around? Like evaluate all these things. Don't just see it as I need to be a football player right there, like then and there, like actually evaluate everything. Because at the end of the day, like you're going to be an 18 or 22 year old college student. You want to experience life. You want to just live life and everything like that, but in a controlled way, don't be out here wilding out and things like that. Don't be like, you're going to have to grow up. You're going to have to mature. And like, it's going to be certain things you just going to have to say no to. Like, so all these things, like, don't look at it as just a football aspect. I would say look at it as a whole worldwide thing, education, uh, comfort level in the city, like what can they bring out of me? What can they do to help me grow as a man type thing? Don't just look at it as football. Well, which I think is exactly what you did. You know, you had an opportunity and you talked about, you know, growing up being, you know, struggles and things like that. Like with you taking advantage of the opportunities that you've had in front of you, you now uh, are changing the legacy of your family, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like you're, you're changing your family tree based yep. on the fact that you're taking advantage of the situations that you've, the, the, the opportunities that, that have been placed in front of you. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, which is why I think you're, uh, which is why I know you're going to do a great job and be able to relate to kids and be able to, to recruit and, and uh, you know, make connections with those guys. All right, here's another question for you. Uh, what, what advice would you give to guys? We already mentioned this a little bit, but what advice would you give to guys who are considering the JUCO route? You better be ready to work. Be ready to work and, like, don't ever feel like JUCO is a step down. Like, come in there competing like it's a four-year grind. Like, come in there every single day and be ready to work. That's the main thing. It's going to be tough times. It's going to be challenging times. It's going to be guys that's two, three years, probably four, five years older than you. But at the end of the day, you just got to put your hard hat on and go in there and grind and knock out anything that they say do. And don't don't budge. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a grind. It's going to test your body. It's going to test your mental. It's going to test your love for the game of football. At the end of the day, it's going to see if you really want to do it. And if you really want to do it, you'll make it out because you'll have the mindset to say no to certain things. You'll have the mindset to get up for class. Like, don't oversleep class and all those little things that people don't really pay attention to. They look at it as, are you making plays? You got to make plays and you go to get out. But at the end of the day, those guys are looking at your grades. They're looking at every single thing. That's the first thing that I could really tell these players that's looking at JUCO. We are looking at your grades as coaches at the next level. We want to see if you are qualified. We want to see if you got the certain GPA that you need to get into our school and everything like that. We gonna, Of course, we're going to value what you're feeling. We want to see you produce and things like that. But there's so many aspects that we're looking at beyond just what can you do in the football aspect. Don't be out here. Don't be a knucklehead all those things like that too. Handle your business in a professional manner, no matter what, every single day in Juco's and you will be fine. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's great advice. And, and 
uh, one thing that I would add on to that, and and because this is something I really struggle with, was just, man, don't get caught up in how much you're playing, how much you're not playing. Just stick with it because those guys who just hang around, hang around, and keep working and keep grinding, like good things happen. And that may not that good exactly. thing may not be that you become a starter in your first team all conference, but exactly. um, you know, I, I think that you get a lot of guys who they say, well, I just don't have the love for it anymore, coach, or I just didn't love it anymore, and then. Nope. And now they're back, you know, working fast food restaurants in their hometowns. Like, so you, you love that more than you love football. I mean, exactly. like, like exactly. that's what you're. So, so I, think, I just want to pitch in on that too. Go ahead, go ahead. On that, like, me coming from this, this accolade background where I was this and that coming out of high school. Like, I'll be the first to say it. I was never an all conference player in any of my years in college. Like, I was one of those guys that was there every single day. I was accountable. I was a leader. I was a two-time leader at SFA. I was a leader in my sophomore year at East Mississippi. Like, those guys make it leaps and bounds and some of those guys that keep producing and not making this and that. Like, don't get caught up in the playing time. At the end of the day, I know you want to play. I know you want to go out there and get all the shine and put your name in the newspaper. At the end of the day, if you handle your business in that type of manner where you you on time every single day, you're going to leave. You're going to separate yourself in that way. It's not, it's not all about, I need to be out here making 10, 15 tackles. I, I probably never, I never had a hundred plus tackle in my whole college career. I'm the first to say that. But at the end of the day, it's put me in this position. The, the characteristics and the actions I did throughout my JUCO and throughout SFA has put me in this situation where I'm at right now. Like you said, I'm changing the whole branch of my, my uh, family tree. Like I got my nephews, I got my little cousins looking up to me as like the one that made a way. And I didn't even go to the NFL. I, I don't got billions of dollars in my pocket. I, I didn't go power five. I didn't go all this and that type thing. I just kept handling my business in a professional manner. I came to work every single day and I led and I handled my business in the classroom and I didn't get in any trouble off the field. And now I'm in a position where I changed my whole family. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Quinn, where do you, where do you hope to be five years from now? Five years from now, of course, I want to get my own room. I want to be uh, at some kind of big time college, and I want. I, I just want to make. I, I just want to make an impact in this coaching. Group. I want to be one of the greats. I want to kind of just be in this in this profession as long as I can, and just keep changing ways. But at the end, I want to have. I want to have my own room. I want to coach linebacker. Uh, I want to be a defensive coordinator. Probably not five years from now, but around that time, five to ten, I want to be a defensive coordinator. And, and be running my own defense, but I want to be somewhat successful and making an impact and have my family with me and just have the ones I love around me and just keep pushing me every single day. So. Well, for anyone listening to this, I don't think there's any doubt that, that uh, if you stay on the same trajectory that you're on, you're going to be successful and you're going to be somewhere uh, making a big impact. So we're going to finish up our conversation today with some rapid fire questions. And, um, and, and, and we're going to close, close out with one that, that might, get both of us in trouble because we're going <laughs> to, we're going to, um, we're going to stir up a little bit of controversy with, with your, uh, with your people down there in Abbeville and, and Oxford and college Hill and that, that area. But anyway, uh, first up, uh, talk about this. Okay. Uh, in all of your days playing, uh, you know, you played, played in some nice stadiums, played in, in, in and I'm talking Mississippi too, because I've, I've been mm-hmm. in all those stadiums, playing some nice stadiums, you play in some not so nice stadiums. What would you rather play on as a, as a player? Turf or grass? Turf. Turf, hands down. Grass, it could be raining. It could be all kind of 
different ways. I, I won't turn smooth and just let me get to. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Lafayette was grass when I was there. They're actually turning it over to turf mm-hmm. uh, as I left. And so uh, I know that was a big deal. And uh, you definitely see a lot more turf when you're down here in Texas. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we played on one grass field at all this year. But right? I can say grass would make it like a true football field. You're going to get the dirt stains. You're going to get all these right. and that. So That's right. grass, I, I can see where you get the grass from. But I like grass, but I want that turf. I just want smooth traction. I just want, I want to go out there and just make plays. Okay. Now, you, you've, you've had some time now to, to be in Wichita Falls and kind of get your feet wet there. You spent two years in Nacogdoches. Mm-hmm. Which, which – City has the be- better places to eat. Ooh, ooh, better places to eat. Just because I'm fairly new to Wichita Falls right now, but I'm still freaking it out. Gotta be Nacogdoches. Nacogdoches has this uh this breakfast place. I can't remember what the breakfast place is called, but it's in downtown. Oh, coach, the best pancakes. I probably ever had best breakfast food I'd ever had like anywhere, no matter what place, whatever state I was in. It was the best, best hands down. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, I, 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 we had when we had Coach McFarland. I asked him about places to eat in Nacogdoches, and I can't mm-hmm. remember where he said. I know he did say his grandma's house, so I guess his grandma. Oh yeah, hands down. He done brought me a plate or two from there. Like, <laughs> that, was, that was amazing. That felt like home cooked meals. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I so, love home meals too. Yeah, there we go. Well, okay, talk about this. Uh, game day superstitions. Did you have any as a player and have they carried over as a coach? Uh, game day superstitions. If I did have one, it was probably like a certain song that I had to play that I just felt like was going to be the one that kind of get me going and be like, all right, bet it's game day. Like, let's lock in type thing. But I never really was a big superstitious guy type thing. But if I did have one, it would probably be a certain song that I had to play, a certain artist. Okay, well, well, let's let's talk about that. What what would be that song or that artist that you'd have to listen to? Anything NBA young boy. Okay. Anything NBA young boy. My mindset going like I'm I'm ready to hit somebody in the mouth, so I'm, I'm good. As, as soon as I hear hear an NBA young boy song, I'm ready to go. So. All right. So you mentioned you know how coaches don't have to be up to up to you know date on the the current you know rappers mm-hmm. and song. Okay, but. I have always kind of taken pride in knowing that sort of stuff. Yeah. But I have to admit, you know, when I was there with you at Lafayette, like it was easy. Yeah. Uh, I was a young guy, like kind of into the same type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But with every year, it gets a little bit harder to get into the current stuff. Yeah. Um, because I, I can feel myself becoming more and more like an old man. Like this stuff isn't as good as it used to be. Nah, okay. No, so no. I'm acknowledging the fact that, I'm I'm being like that, okay. So like now I'm asking you again for 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 us crustier coaches out there who are maybe losing touch with, with these young guys. Give us some some maybe some songs or some artists that we need to uh, do we need to pay attention to so we can bring up to our kids next time oh, we're talking. I got you. I got you a top five right now. Okay, all right, let's go. Let's have it. You got NBA Young Boy. You got Money Bag Yo. You got Little Baby. Uh, that. Everybody hip to Pooh Shiesty, but I, I'm cool on him. He good, but he he just ain't one of the ones that's blowing up right now. Polo yeah. G. Uh, who else is good? No cap. No cap. If you like wordplay, if you like things going up your head and, like, actually breaking things down, like, no cap, you got coach. So, All right. that, that's All a good five to six right there. I, I feel somewhat – Good that I'm 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 familiar with at least uh, three of the five, so oh, yeah, I'm not too I'm not too far 
too far gone then. Um, all right, cool. Um, okay, talk about this. When we talked about breaking down film, and I'm sure you've experienced both of these platforms, so I want to get your preference. Huddle or Exos? Which one do you prefer? I never had Exos. I never worked with Exos yet. I was always a Huddle guy. I only work okay. with Huddle right now. All right. So all right. I never worked with Exos. Okay, so are you diagramming plays? Do you have to? Are you drawing scout team cards and things like that? Yeah, I uh, drew a couple of scout team cards. Uh, I'm doing pretty much all the breakdown uh, throughout the huddle and things like that. So I'm pretty familiar with huddle and everything like that. So scout team cards. I ran a scout team a couple of times too. Uh, ran the special teams and all those all those things like that. So huddle huddle is my right hand right now. What What's the most frustrating thing about scout team cards? They don't run anything that we put on the card. Like, they just got to read the card, Coach. As long as you read the card and you just go out there and run and execute, we good. Coach, I don't even need the coach if you just go out there and run exactly what I do on the card. That's it. I so so that, that problem doesn't get better because, you know, of course, you kind of expect that with, like, high school freshmen and sophomores on the scout team. Same so it doesn't get any better when they, when they get into college. Same thing with college, Coach. Same thing. So no, you're still yelling. If they, don't got the it, if they don't got it, they just don't got it. <laughs> that's the bottom line. But at the end of the day, that's on us to kind of work with those guys and kind of motivate them and tell them what's going on. But it's a card at the end of the day. It's yeah, you're right. You're right. Look at the line. Do what the line exactly. says. Just run it. That's it. Okay. Uh, here's our last question. This is the one that might get us both in trouble because I'm going to answer it as well. Okay. Uh, you know, you graduated in what, 2016? Is that yep, correct? 16, yep. 16, okay. Uh, I left Lafayette in 2013. So 2012 was my last year there. So I was there with, with some really talented guys, really talented teams. You were there, obviously, with some talented teams. Mm-hmm. I want to know who's the best football player to come out of Lafayette. And if you need to kind of open it up to maybe a top five, I'll let you do that. Let me, let me hear what you got. All right. So, hands down. If you know LaFayette football, you know Jeremy Liggins is the best player to come out of LaFayette, hands down. We're in agreement on that one. I got hands you. Hands down. No, no argument out of me. Jeremy Liggins is the best player to come out. The one that gave me the bait, Coach, who you taking? DeMarcus Dennis or Tyrell Price? Oh, man, you're going to give me in trouble Ooh, with Tyrell. Now, I here's, switch it. You said I switched look, it? Here, here's, <laughs> here's what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to say I didn't – I only saw Tyrell as a freshman. Okay. And and I want I was I remember I always wanted him to play outside backer and, and he wanted mm-hmm. to play running back and I was like but Tyrell I really think you're a defensive yeah. player you go hit people and he was like yeah coach but I really like running back I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm gonna say Demarcus just because I saw him for three years okay um, and okay. and he he did go off on some people and and more than once but I know Tyrell did also so go ahead and tell me why Tyrell is your number your number two. I feel like Tyrell brought everything to the table. I feel like, but DeMarcus, I, anybody that's listening, DeMarcus is a GOAT. DeMarcus probably easily top three players to ever come out of the field. But I'm going to go with Tyrell because, of course, that's my right-hand dog, that's my boy, and everything like that. But he just brought a whole different level of, like, physicality and, like, workhorse mindset. He was getting, like, 30, 40 carries a game type thing sometimes. And everybody in the whole stadium knew who was about to get the ball, and he still would bust off a 67-yard touchdown run. He wasn't doing that at like 190 or 180. He was doing that at like 225, like 230 type thing. So he was a big load right there and just running the hard. So I'm gonna go with Tyrell right there. But Quinn Jones, they got Quinn Jones pretty good too. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard about him a little bit. Yeah. yeah he, he was, he was like a play linebacker good. or something. Yeah. 
Just something like that. He played linebacker, but I think he might be might be top three best defensive players to come through the field. I think Jamel Dennis was a dog too. So yeah, I'm those Dennis brothers, uh, Dennis yeah. brothers were pretty good. And and here's yeah, one, man. another one I'll throw at you is Brandon Mack. B uh, Mack, yes, the most. He was the most versatile. He the most versatile player to come through the field because he play anything. Again. He was pretty good on the basketball court too. He was a dog in basketball too. So corner play safety. He could have played, played quarterback too. Yeah, he played quarterback for us his senior yeah. year. Uh, he could have played, you know, outside linebacker, wide receiver, all the all those mm-hmm. positions. In there is best offensive lineman to come through the field. Matt Toes. I'm gonna go with Matt your boy Toll. Meatball. Okay, I'm gonna go with Meatball. I'm gonna go with. I think he was the best offensive lineman to come through there. Uh, another guy that a lot of people would sleep on. Uh, that whole D line, like Keon Tyson, Cortez, all those guys, like Alec Michael, all those guys, oh, like. Yeah. Those are the people that we was looking up at, like yeah. coming to the game every Friday night and just watching them guys dominate every single Friday. They went 32 and 0, like you said. Like, that was something like, oh, we paid attention to every week, like growing yeah. up and just modeling, trying to come. We got Tuesday night games or Thursday night games in middle school. Like, we trying to be like Alec Michael. We trying to be like Jamel, DeMarcus, J League, and all those guys and stuff like that, too. And they always show love coming to our games and working our games, too. So, like I said, it was a big brotherhood out there in the field. Yeah, yeah. You when you those are names now that of guys that I coach. Love Cortez, love Keon. Keon could be a oh, little little crazy. Can I, can I give you? Can I give you one more coach? Yes, that came, yeah. had, but after me and you, Brandon Turnage. Yeah, I, I figured his name was going to come up. He's at, yeah. at Alabama now, and I know he was a stud. Yeah. Uh, but I think the qualifier was he was after both of us, so neither one. Exactly. Of them. Yeah, we didn't want to kind of. Look past all that, yeah, but yeah. there, of course, there were guys that came before us uh, that that were obviously really good too. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, well, exactly. one more I'll throw in there as a as a sleeper pick, and and also he has one of the best uh, names in in all of football, and that's Anthony Gooch. Gooch, Gooch was a <laughs> Gooch had to be the fastest guy to come through. Now, like, I think how fast you think he was going, Coach? How fast I, you think? His I don't know. Was? Here, I don't know, but um, he was he's he's tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember a game. We went and played a game uh, in uh, Memphis. Um, I can't remember the team that we were playing, but it was a Memphis. Right, Trezvan. No, it wasn't Trezvan because I remember playing. It was it was okay. someone else. Um, but we got Sonic on the way up there. Okay, uh-huh. and well, way before like the game. And so, but anyway, someone didn't eat their Sonic burger, and so he ate a. He's crushing a Sonic burger like as right before we walk out to go play the game. Yeah. Like, he's eating a Sonic burger. And goes off that game, like just goes off. Coach, like that's just like a big thing. Like that, that just shows you what kind of talent was really around that area in Mississippi. Like, cause we're not even thinking about all the guys that Oxford had type thing. Like that whole area was super talented, and like those guys didn't even know it type thing. Like they were just out there eating Sonic burgers right before a game type thing, and they'll go off a of 100, 200 yards all purpose type thing. Like it wasn't nothing. Like it was just backyard football or something like that. And that's just how they mindset was. It was always backyard football, no pressure or anything like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you brought up Oxford. So I'm going to, we'll, we'll close it out with this. I know we got to bring this guy up because I've shared this story on the podcast. Uh, whenever I talk about, you know, players that I've coached against or whatever, and that's your boy mm-hmm. DK Metcalf. Uh, I, I don't know if you remember Quinn, but his, his freshman year, uh, your, so your freshman year, mm-hmm. We were, they came to play at our place, and he was just a tall, lanky, skinny kid yep. at the time, and he absolutely torched us. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was one of those games where I just wished I could just crawl under a bleacher 
And, and that's what, was that the game we wore the all gold after the auction? Yeah, it probably was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I was right. Uh, there. Now his freshman year, this this is freshman year, but obviously you got to play against him, you know, for the, through the rest of your career. What was what was that like? And talk about what it was like playing against him. Oh man, like it was that had to be the hardest game I ever played, like throughout high school, just because they were so loaded. Coach, like they played, they had Jack at quarterback, they had Kenzie at running back, Kyrie was on the other side of DK. And, like, those are all the guys that probably don't get as much recognition as DK, but those guys are just a talent, as talented. So just just playing against those guys every day, that was another thing that kind of just kind of built our competition level out there in the field. Like, we always had that mindset. Like, we got to be Oxford this year. So we wasn't even worried about anybody else. We were going to go out there and dominate them just to kind of go out there and get ready for Oxford. So it was, a, it was a blast, man, just – Going out there and playing against him, seeing the things that he was doing and everything like that, just outside of being on offense. He played safety sometimes. He played corner. He played special teams and things like that, too. So he is special talent, hand down. And that's one cool thing. Like, of course, throughout the whole rivalry, we wasn't just buddy, buddy, hey, like, what's up? What's going on? But one day we went down to the Mississippi-Alabama game, and uh, it was just all of us. It was me, Jack, Eli, D.K., and pretty much all the area guys that went down there for that all-star game, man, like, we really just kicked it off and, like, talked about all the good times and all the talent that we got and just all the – we actually just bonded right there. So that's a special place, a special moment that I really hold special to my heart, man. Like, those guys, even though it was a rough time throughout the rivalry, those guys are good guys, and it was a respect factor. That was the biggest thing with the respect factor right there. So hats off to him, and I hope he keep doing his thing, keep dominating the league like he is, man. So we always knew that he could do it, but he's going out there and proving it now. So yeah, for sure. And and you're you're right that uh you know I've, I've I guess getting ready to start my 13th season as a coach, and um, those those crosstown classic uh, mm-hmm. games were a lot of fun. And uh, uh, that was just a really, really unique rivalry there um, with the schools being so close. And, and like yep. you said, uh, the talent between those two schools. I mean, uh, if they ever combine those two schools, it would be uh, it would be It'd a be superpower scary. for sure. Um, but anyway, well, Quinn, it was uh, really awesome getting to talk with you today. And I'm so proud of you and, and so excited to see what the future holds uh, for you. So I just want to wish you the best of luck. And, uh, again, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us today. Yes, sir. Like I said, appreciate it, Coach, just all the knowledge and everything that you done instilled in me and just being a role model in this whole coaching aspect. And you keep doing great things out there. And, man, ain't no telling I'll pass my cross in the coaching world. So, appreciate you, Coach. Yeah, one day maybe you'll hire me. You need a D-line coach and you can holler at me. Man, I'm just, trying, I'm just trying to get in, Coach. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get on with the level you at. You 13 years in, Coach. I'm trying to be like you. <laughs> all right. I appreciate it, Quinn. Yes, sir. Have a good one, Coach. Well, I really enjoyed talking with Quinn today. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Coach underscore Quinn Jones and let him know you heard him here on KYPD. I also included his email in today's show notes if you'd like to send him an email. You can also check out today's show notes for links to our sponsors, our coaching network, and Go Edit Graphics, as well as a link to our merch store where you can go pick up a great-looking T-shirt, long sleeve, short sleeve, tank top, whatever your style is, and you'll be the envy of the coach's office. So show your love for your favorite podcast by picking up your KYPD t-shirt today. Our quote of the day goes like this. Struggles bring you to higher places. When you get there, don't forget where you came from. You are built for the process. You're built to conquer. You're built to last. Live like a champion, for you are a champion.
And that is from the Honey Badger, Tyran Matthews. And we'll get out of here on that. Thanks again for listening. If you like what you heard today, don't keep it to yourself. Tell your coaching buddies about us and give us a five-star rating and review and help us spread the word about our podcast here. We'll be back next week with episode 103. And until then, get your head down, butt in the air, get some weight on your down hand, and attack this week like it's third and long. And if you're going to get the sack this week, you better keep your pants.